Sure, Paul. I'm so excited. That, you know, one of the things that humbles me the most about this spiritual father that we are so grateful for, I know personally I'm so grateful for, is he's one of my favorite Bible teachers, and he teaches like once every six months. So I was excited coming over. I'm like, yeah, Jesus. Thank you for Paul. And so I just, I just want to honor you, Paul, just for the, the sacrifice that you've made to see us, this younger generation. I mean, Paul's, I'm not going to give away his age, but uh, he's a little bit older than I am. A little, just a hair. And I was 67 last Tuesday. Happy yeah, happy, did we miss it? We missed your birthday. You were speaking on my birthday. What an honor. Let's just pray for Paul. Father, we just honor this, this man. We honor this apostolic leader over this city who has impacted so many of us. He's given so many of us an opportunity to come into our destiny. God, we're so grateful for him. We ask that you'd pour your spirit upon him and be gracious to us to be able to receive. Amen. I was encouraged by that, Anita. That was good. That was good. Like to see where you're headed. Because you made it clear. You made it clear. You want to go God's way. That's good to hear. Hey, I want some of you in the back to come up and keep me company here. We got, we got, see, come on up, guys. There's plenty of room. I'm backing up. We've got carpet space. I want you up here rooting for me. Lucy, I wasn't talking about you. Just get in here close. Oh, I like it. I like it. Yes. Clint, could you uh, just put it up on that thing there? Good deal. Here they come. They're coming. Yes. And you can, you know what? They'll let you. You can lean back on there so you don't have to mess up your back. Just lean against them. Push them aside. Yes. Come on, Shannon. Come on, Jesse. Okay, this is good. Now I feel like a dad with my kids down at my feet. Yes. I came back to work with Lutheran Renewal in 1995. I'd been a pastor out in California. And at the age of 50, I came back with family, moved to Minnesota. It took a while to become a Minnesota fan. But I knew when I moved from the Dodgers to the Twins that something was happening in my heart. Things, things were changing. Early on, I told the board, I said, I love traveling with Lutheran Renewal. I love going into congregations and speaking. I love the conferences. But if you, if you gave me what I really wanted to do, I would work with young adults. God had put a longing in my heart from the time I was a young adult and working with young adults to work with young adults. Look at what he's done. Look at what he's given to us. I'm saying that because God will often let you know what your dream is, what the longing of your heart is, like he did in Anita, he gave her something that, that she wanted to serve people. She knew it, wasn't sure what it was going to be. And God's put something in your heart. You may not know it yet, but you have a personalized destiny. You've heard Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not because of works, lest anyone should boast. What's the next verse? 
He prepared them beforehand. Now, does that God, does God offend anybody here by, by your knowing that he has prepared works ahead of time for you to walk in? Is that offensive to anybody here? No, not offensive to me. I'm thankful because when he lets you do what the longing is of your heart, I understand the army has a reputation anyway, putting people where they don't belong. I don't know if that's true. But God puts people where they belong. And he's got a place for you. He's got a ministry. He's got service, something for you to do. Huh? There he is. It's not, it's not necessarily up in front of people like this. I wasn't asking to be in front of people. In fact, Clint is right, that I would rather have you guys teach than me teach. Why? Because I want to release you. I've had my turn. I, I still feel like I'm just getting started, really. But I'm, I'm having my turn. And we went, while you were here, we were on our way last Tuesday up to northern Minnesota. And as we went, God was stirring in our heart about what he's doing in that whole region. And so now we've got a new prayer agenda, Karen and I, and, and the others who want to join us for for what we believe is imminent for God pouring out his spirit all over northern Minnesota. I want to uh, just draw something here. Can you see it in the back? Okay. You know how sometimes you get a, you get a thought that kind of floats into your mind and, and you say, where did that come from? Right? Now, if it's, a, if it's kind of a sinister thought, you say, where did that come from? And maybe you feel like you've got to confess something. Not necessarily, unless you own it. It may just be floating through, and it's like a stray dog, and you don't have to own it. You don't have to take it in. You just might wonder where it came from. Well, I'll tell you, it may have come from the underworld. It may have come from Satan. Or sometimes thoughts pass through a mind that just are random thoughts, unpremeditated thoughts, that are from ourselves. But sometimes we get thoughts that are just dropped in, unpremeditated, and they come from God. And it's like he sometimes whispers to us. Have you ever heard that? Or he reveals something to you as you're reading scripture. And it may be something that he's never, ever revealed to anyone else before. That's how personal it is. And you feel, oh, this is so wonderful. Well, Peter had those thoughts. Can we help pass those out, Jake and Andy? uh, (laughs) Adam, Ben. Had a block there momentarily. Keep listening to me as we go here. Peter was following Christ, and Jesus asked this question, who do men say that I am? And there was a response. Different ones said who they thought. And then... He said, but who do you say that I am? And what did Peter say? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, what? Flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. In other words, that didn't just come from you. 
That isn't a thought that you had yourself. That came from heaven. The, the Greek word for that, revelation, is apocalypsis. It means to come from a hiding. Calypto. It, it, it's, it's out of a place that you can't see, and then it's, it breaks through. And so God broke through into Peter's heart, and he's, he's saying these things in front of Peter's friends. They have had discussions about greatness before. And Peter was feeling real good because Jesus said, you are Peter. And on this rock, I believe on the statement that you, Peter just made, I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail it. And he's got keys. I've got keys to give to you, Peter. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Peter, this might have been one of Peter's best moments. He was really feeling happy. And it is wonderful when God reveals to us, touches us in a personal way. He breaks something new into our heart. Maybe he did that for some of you tonight. We don't know how long a separation. Turn to Matthew chapter 16 in your Bibles. You don't have one? Share one with somebody close to you, would you please? Don't want to lose you here. Stay with me. Matthew 16. So Peter has this wonderful revelation. And then listen to this next portion. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders. Chapter sixteen twenty one. Chief priests and teachers of the law, and they must be killed on the third day, be raised to life. Peter heard that, and he had an allergic reaction. And... It's very strong in the English, and it's even stronger in the original language. Peter got in Jesus' face. He, took, he literally took him aside and got in his face, and he said, this will never happen to you. Hardly a prophetic moment for Peter. Peter's about ready to get the hardest rebuke he's ever gotten. He was, he was feeling really good. We don't know if it was moments before or a day before or a week before. We don't know, but it's in this next passage. What does Jesus say? Ouch. And what does Jesus say then? He said, you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. I want to just take a few moments to talk about the things of men and the things of God as it relates to thoughts. Because one moment it can happen to us, just like it happened to Peter. We can be thinking something and have revelation from heaven, and then the next moment some kind of sinister thought that's creeping up on us, and we don't know what to do with it. I want to talk to you about your thoughts tonight and how to, how to deal with your thought. First thing, you've heard people say, don't believe everything you hear. 
I'm telling you, don't believe everything you think. Because like a stray dog, thoughts can come through and we can feel like we need to own them. We don't need to own them. We need to see what is for us, what thoughts we need to own, and what thoughts we don't need to own. You are not under any obligation to the flesh. You don't need to entertain thoughts that are of a selfish nature. Second, we control our thoughts. Our thoughts don't control us. Some of you think that your thoughts control you. And they're just there, and you need to surrender to your thoughts. No, your thoughts need to surrender to you and to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Otherwise, Paul would not have said, listen to this scripture. Finally, my brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is gracious, whatever is of good report, if there is anything anything of excellence, if there's any virtue, what does he say? Think on these things. Now, he wouldn't say think on these things if you couldn't think on those things. He's saying this is what you think on. You control your thoughts. Your thoughts don't control you. You have to take control. And sometimes, point three, you have to take the point, uh, take control to the point of fighting thoughts. Fighting thoughts that are resisting you. Any of you have thoughts that are resisting you? They need to come under the authority of Jesus Christ. And they're coming. How does Satan come at us? It says that he throws darts at us. What are those darts? Here's my opinion. Here's my opinion of what the darts are. Satan has three primary ways that he comes at us. He comes at us through accusation, through intimidation, and through deception. Most common in the Bible is deception. But he accuses us. How does he do that? Thoughts. Thoughts in our mind. How does he intimidate us? Primarily through thoughts. See, he throws darts of thoughts. He cannot read our mind, but he can send things our way. And if we agree with him about accusations, yeah, you're right, I am a lousy Christian. Or, you're right, this is a scary situation. I've got to get out of here. Or, we believe a lie, and he deceives us. He cannot use raw power. God won't let him. And so he uses the power of accusation, intimidation, and deception. And so we've got to know that. We've got to resist them to the point that Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10, though we live in, live in the world, we don't wrestle like the world wrestles. The weapons of our warfare are divinely powerful to destroy strongholds. We demolish strongholds, and he goes on later, and take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Isn't that a great picture? Some of you need to learn how to take thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. They're, they're out there, and they're straying, and they're coming at you, and you're just kind of bowing down. Sur- you're not surrendered to the Lord. You just surrendered the situation, and they take you in, and then they create a stronghold, and that's got to be busted. It has to be busted through yielding to Jesus Christ. Jesus tells us how to think. And I'm not going to get into this tonight. I've been living this. Thinking about it in terms of marriage. Thinking about it in terms of relationships at Communitas. Jesus gave the best advice for living the Christian life. For living a married life. For living a single life. For living a successful life. I believe in the words that I'm going to give you now. He said, if anyone would come after me... 
He's not talking to monastics, by the way, when he says this. He's talking about people who want to follow him and experience the fullness of life. Here's what he says. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. And what did, they, what did they know about crosses? What was the one thing they did on crosses? They died. Take up your cross. In other words, die. And follow me. Now, we're not going to talk about that, but I'm just going to suggest some ways that if you hear about suffering come on its way and you have an allergic reaction, there are several possible ways, thinking like a man, that you're going to have to deal with. The first is self-preservation. There's something within us that wants to survive. You've heard of survival of the fittest. Well, you've got that in you. I've got that in me and my human nature, my flesh. I want to survive. Nothing about that for the Christian. Survival is not the issue. Service is. And that's why Paul could say, when he's saying goodbye to the Ephesian elders, this is what he says. Think about it. See if you could say this. I count my life as of no value to myself. If only I can finish the race and complete the assignment that he's given to me to preach the grace of God. I can't remember the end last, but, but to preach. He had an assignment, and he's, that was what he's called to do. And it didn't matter where he lived or died. He said, for me to live as Christ, to die as gain. I've been crucified with Christ. He's already dead. He said, I die daily. And so that's the first thing. Deal with this idea of self-preservation. The, sa- the second thing is entitlement. If you have an allergic reaction to suffering for Jesus' sake, there may be an issue of an entitlement that you deserve more. You deserve better. Well, you're following Jesus. You're underlying your Bible. You're going to church. You shouldn't miss your plane. Should be, should be an easier ride. One young man that I can think of that, that uh, embraced this outlook, this theology, he said to his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you. And yet you never gave me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. In other words, he says, I deserve more than this. Did he get it? People who adopt entitlement never get it. You know why? Because they're angry and they're coming like this. You've never given me. And the father is saying, son, it's all yours. But you're not going to get it like this. Meanwhile, the prodigal says, man, I don't, I don't deserve this. I don't get this. I don't deserve it. And what's he getting? The father's just pouring it on. See, it's all grace from start to finish. And as you realize that whatever you get, it's grace. Even if it's suffering, even if it's suffering for Jesus, God, this is your gift to me. This is your hand on my life. I receive this and I don't react to it because I know that you work all things for your own holy and good purpose. Next thing, victimization. I talked about this whenever I talked last time that it's easy to adopt a victim mentality and 
experience suffering and then embrace it as your identity. I'm the person who flunked out of high school. I'm the, the uh, divorced person. I'm the person that, that uh, lost a child or, or whatever. And then I embrace that as my identity. And you've got to help me because I can't help myself. You've got to do something for me. You've got to understand me. You've got to feel sorry for me. You've got to help me through the situation. I'm not going to change. I'm not going to do anything. But you've got to help me. You take a victim role and suffering won't make sense to you. Because you're going to say, hey, I've already suffered enough. A victim says, I've suffered enough and I'm not going to suffer anymore. You've got to help me live a happy life. As soon as you start embracing happiness as a happy life, you lose the chance of being happy. But when you let that go and just die to yourself and desire to serve others, happiness comes pouring in. Do I hear an amen? amen. It's true. It's very true. Okay, so if that's, if that's the way we're not to think, how are we to think? I'll give you three things. Modeled in the words of Jesus. Death is a way of life. Paul said, I die daily. And he died that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sakes died and was raised again. Dying is your privilege. It's our joy. Because the worst tyrant to come against me is me. And if I'm living for me, it's a tyrannical life. But when I acknowledge I'm dead to self, I'm dead to those things, and I can serve other people, that's a wonderful way to die. If you really want to live, try dying. Okay, number five, thoughts are powerful. And what you think, what you think about God is what you will receive from God. Thoughts are so strong. I'll give you some examples. Matthew 25 Two of them invested, and they doubled their, their investment. And the third, what did he do? Yeah. And when he came before the master, he said, I knew you were a harsh man, hard man. That's how he pictured him. What did he get? He got his harshness. It's either Psalm 18 or Psalm 118. I think it's Psalm 18. It says, to the, to the pure you show yourself pure. To the just you show yourself just. But to the shrewd you show yourself some other way. I, I can't quote it. But God, you will see the God that you picture him to be. The elder brother saw his father as stingy. That's exactly what he was to him. He didn't get nothing. The prodigal saw his father as extravagantly generous. That's what he got. How do you see God? What's your thoughts? What are your, your inmost thoughts about God? Not the Bible tells me so. That's a good thing. But do I believe what the Bible says about my God? And is that the kind of God that I serve? Because if my thoughts about God are, boy, it's hard to serve him. It's really hard. Then it's hard. But if it's 
if Jesus takes the yokes off and releases us and just makes it, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. And, I, and you, you, that's your picture. You say, God, your yoke is so easy. Yeah, it is. That's exactly what it is. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Just want to look at a few of the scriptures and then I want to close this up. Because we've heard some wonderful testimonies and messages already. So we're not going to take a, a long time. Colossians 1.21. Once you were enemies in your mind. Listen to that phrase. Those who are unregenerate, who have not been born of the Spirit, they don't know it, but their thoughts are clashing with the creator of the universe. They're fighting him. Some know it, some don't know it. But when we're in the flesh, we're in the same situation. Our thoughts are hostile, the Bible says. They're hostile to God. So we want to discern, am I fighting God now with my thoughts? Turn to Romans chapter 8. It uses the word mind four times when it talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit. Being filled with the Holy Spirit it just boils down to, to setting your mind on the things of the Spirit, focusing on the things of the Spirit. Verse Five, those who live according to the sinful nature, Romans 8, verse 5, have their minds set on what that nature desires. That's living in the flesh. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Now, a person outside of Christ can't do that. He can only think earthly things. Says in Philippians 3, their destiny is destruction, their God is their belly, with minds set, focus, fashion, on earthly things. So they can't obey that word to set your thought on things above, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. They can only think. So don't expect someone who's unregenerate to think Thoughts only come through revelation. So finishing up Romans chapter 8. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. God, forgive me for those thoughts that are fighting you, that are hostile to you. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. Okay, back to the, the final point, number six. I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. If we asked... A thousand people who said, come up with a plan to rescue humanity. 
Humanity is killing one another, nation against nation. We're being killed by AIDS and by other diseases, by poverty. And the human race is devastated, and we need a plan. What would we hear? We would hear plans that include billions of dollars and the strength, the strongest, the most intelligent, wouldn't we? We'd have people coming together and devise this plan to rescue the human race. No one would come up with the plan that God gave to us, which is to rescue us by sending his son in human flesh, and at his weakest point ever, Jesus, redeeming humanity. It's foolish to the wisdom of the world. It's utterly foolish. They, we couldn't come up with it. And so, 1 Corinthians 1 says, the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom. The weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. The weakest that God can be. And the most foolish he can be. That's the cross of Jesus Christ. And then he goes on in chapter 2 to talk about what wisdom is. And he gets toward the end of it. And he quotes from Isaiah. I just want to read a couple of verses surrounding the one that he quoted. The one that he quoted is Isaiah forty thirteen. Who has understood the mind of the Lord or instructed him as his counselor? Anybody want to counsel God? Anybody feel that God needs counsel on how he's running the universe? Anybody want to anyone, give, him some, give him some tips? Listen, he goes on in the thought. He said, whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him? Who did he pick? Anybody here? Did he call you up? Did he help him? Who taught him the right way? God, I've got some things I can share with you to help you out. Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? In other words, he's just being facetious. Nobody. God is beyond wisdom. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and how it ends. This is so remarkable. He says, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? What's the last phrase? In other words, we can think like God. Through the indwelling Holy Spirit, we can think the, th- the very thoughts of God. We can think like God thinks. We can be open to his revelation. We had a speaker that came to us Sunday a couple of weeks ago. He said, I want to become a master at hearing the voice of God. Be open to the revelation of God's spirit. You can think like God thinks. You can have God's thought. You're going to be his counselor. He doesn't need a counselor, but he sure wants friends. He wants friends who know him, who know his thoughts. And Jesus expected Peter to know his thoughts. And he gave in to, a, to an allergic reaction to the thought of suffering, and he missed it. 
I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss it tonight. I don't want to miss it tomorrow. I want to be open so that I can walk with the mind of Christ so that I can think like God thinks. My prayer has been for the last few years, God, let me think your thoughts, speak your words, and do your deeds. I want to pray that for you tonight. Think especially of any who, who in their mind, they're finding it, uh, finding a lot of confusion, finding a, a lot of struggle going on. It's hard for you to sort out your thoughts. And you need clarity. You need to, for God to come to you and encourage you tonight. You can think my thoughts. You can walk in my ways. You can surrender to my holy will. And you can hear my voice. Just want you to raise your hand if, if you identify with what I just said. If you're, if you're finding a level of confusion at what I've said, a, a real level of struggle, a lack of peace, a real conflict in your mind, and you need for God. I'm going to pray for all of you in a moment, but raise your hand if that's where you are. And if you're next to somebody who's got their hand up, would you put your hand on them? Keep your hand up until somebody's touching you. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. God, you're with us. You're with our friends. You want to give peace into their heart and clarity into their mind. We know that the mind is is a battlefield, and we want them to win these battles. Oh, Father, come with your peace. As they surrender afresh in their heart, in their mind tonight, as you, you surrender afresh in your mind to God, as you say, I want to think your thoughts. Holy Spirit, comfort them. Comfort them now. It can be a frightening thing to have thoughts that are shooting all over. We pray against a spirit of confusion. We pray a lifting of the spirit of confusion from our brothers and sisters. I think one of the hard things sometimes is recognizing that a thought isn't 
isn't of you per se, but that it's from the enemy. It's not something that's inside you, but it's from an outside source. Sometimes that can be demonic. Sometimes that can just be the enemy trying to get you to think something. And I think the challenge is recognizing that thought that Mm -hmm. that's not, that's not of me and that's not of you, God. That's so I'm not going to receive that. So that's what it means to take your thoughts captive. And so, so my prayer for you and my challenge is ask the Holy Spirit to help you recognize the thoughts that are not from him and that you truly will take your thoughts captive. And, and it's a refining process. And so don't, don't get discouraged if all of a sudden you start realizing like, man, I keep thinking about this or I keep thinking about this and this is sin and this is wrong. Don't get discouraged because it's actually refining because God is allowing you to see that this is what you need to take care of. And so repent, like ask God to, you know, like renounce it from your life, just like get rid of it and then walk in freedom. So, um, yeah, let's just pray that. Yeah, Lord, we just, we just ask that you would help us take our thoughts captive, Lord. I just pray that, um, your hand would be on our minds, that you would literally place your, your hand, God, from heaven on our heads right now and intercede on our behalf that we would think thoughts of purity things that are lovely things that are righteous things that are of you god and lord i just ask that you refine us in the name of jesus refine our thoughts refine our minds god lord bring to surface the things that are not of you bring to surface the things that we need to get rid of that we need to stop thinking about bring that to surface god we want to know so we can get rid of it If stuff is coming to your mind, go ahead and just renounce it. Just confess it. Just release it. That doesn't belong in you. God wants to just take that. Take that out from you. Bring release in the name of Jesus. And it's not not a mystery on how thoughts come to our mind. It's really practical. What are you listening to? What are you watching? And what are you saying? This is so practical. (laughs) don't Don't think this is a mystical teaching, beloved. What are you listening to? (laughs) What you listen to becomes a thought. What you watch becomes a thought. What you say usually comes from and forms our thoughts. (laughs) Real easy way to be transformed. Conform your mind to the word of God. Listen to it. (laughs) Read it and say it and sing it and pray it and talk about other people that want to sing it and say it and talk about it and pray it and, you know, listen to people preach about it and sing it and pray it and talk about it. But if all you're doing is if you leave here tonight and your lifestyle does not change, your mind will not change. (laughs) Your lifestyle is linked to your, you know, your intake. What what are you letting in? (laughs) I thought for a long time I could live as a Christian and listen to stuff that totally, you know, preached the mind of the world. (laughs) That's a lot of taking thoughts captive. The simplest way to get renewed in your mind, get rid of garbage. Get rid of that music that is not in agreement with the truth. Get rid of watching garbage that is not in agreement with the truth. And then what will happen is you won't be saying so much that's not in agreement with the truth. So I'm going to pray that. This is what Paul says in Philippians 2. He says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being the very person of God, he did not consider this privilege something he was going to hold on to, but he humbled himself. He took on the form of a man. He became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. That's the mind of God. 
Father, help us to embrace this mind, that we would consider others' interests above our own. Help us, God, to consecrate the music we listen to. Holy Spirit, I see you'd convict people here that are listening to music that is bringing their mind into strongholds, that's bringing them into bondage. God, and that you would give us grace to wash ourselves with the water of your word through music, through song. God, through what we watch and what we say, release grace in Jesus' name. Woo! Yeah! Oh, do you feel that? There is freedom in that. There's freedom tonight. I just had a... Yeah! The same things are burning on all our hearts. Woo! Woo! The the same things are burning on all of our hearts. So obviously the Holy Spirit is passionate about this. Um, The other way, as obviously Clint highlighted, demons get access into us is by the choices we make in what we watch, we listen to, expose ourselves to, environments, bars we go to, whatever. Um, Also, the agreements with lies that we make are very impactful. And I'll give you a testimony where this holds true in my own experience. I was like 15 and I didn't come from a really family functional environment. Um, So I was the firstborn, the type A personality um, I'm sure many of you can identify with. And I remember I was like 15 and I was working my tail off in school to prove myself, to make a name for myself so I could be successful. And I remember I was 15, I was studying European history AP, some intense like Euro-Asian war concept, whatever. Um, And I just made agreement with the idea that I have to do this life myself. I remember the moment and it didn't make any, I just realized I was like, I was fighting, I was getting through school, I was pulling midnighters and playing baseball and doing whatever. And I made the agreement that night that I had to do life my own way and nobody was going to help me out. And then I got into college. I was depressed. I was, as Clint talked about in the beginning of the night, filling myself with alcohol to, you know, um, fill the wound, the voids and the wounds and the relational gaps that I had in my life. And all of a sudden, I started coming to Communitas, and I realized my life was whack. And that, that's the simplest way I can say it. It was whack. I had nothing. I was broken. I had nothing to keep me happy. So over the last five, six years, I broke my agreements with those lies. And I had to, as I made agreement, break agreement. So if there are people here tonight who have made agreements with lies related to self-body image, related to independence, related to self-preservation. We need to break those lies so that we no longer have the opportunity for the enemy to have legal access to our bodies. Because when we make agreement with them, the enemy, bam, he takes advantage of it and he feeds you lies and he owns that area of your life until you say, no, I'm done with you. Get out and just as Jesus said to Peter, Satan, get behind me. It's that simple. And you just walk through that deliverance and all of a sudden, you're like Clint said, you're at peace. And so last scripture, and then we can continue to move in with ministry. Paul says to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 10, 21, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and of the table of demons. And he's talking about just this exact reality that we can't Tuesday night sit here and hang out with Jesus and then Friday night go watch Harry Potter or go to the bar or do whatever it is we do in our free time. We have to eat with the Lord and continue to drink his cup and get filled daily. Yeah. Let's do deliverance. Amen. So anybody who identifies with that, let's just raise our hands and we're just going to break agreements with lies. If you've made agreement with body image lies, with independence, with come Holy Spirit, just reveal lies to us now, Jesus. What have we made agreement with God? 
Yes. I renounce the devil in all his works and all his ways. Yes. Any lies, man, just about sports. I'm going to prove myself in sports. That's a joke. It's a joke. It's a lie. Um, what else? What else? Come, Holy Spirit. Just reveal these lies. Lies about the knowledge of God, that, God, you're a hard man, that, God, I have to prove myself to you, that I have to earn my ways with you. We just rebuke those lies in Jesus' name. Say them out loud. We have to speak these things out loud. There's freedom tonight. So, Holy Spirit, I just ask you right now, just bring conviction. You says in John 16, the conviction of the Holy Spirit comes when you come, Jesus. So we ask you, Holy Spirit, to bring up moments Moments of our past where we have come and made agreement with lies of the enemy. I just ask you right now, Jesus, to release freedom in this room where the Spirit of the Lord is. There is freedom. That's right. We align our heart. We align our minds with your truth, God. God, give us hunger for your word. God, let us set our mind on your word. Lord, let your word wash over us. Give us grace. If you pray in the Spirit, let's just begin to pray. Holy Spirit, come. I ask you to tear down every fortress, every stronghold. Every accusation must go in Jesus' name. I thank you for the mind of Christ being imparted even now by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we invite you into our thought lives. We ask for discernment, God, to discern the accusations, to discern lies, and to set our heart upon truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. You shall know the truth. I prophesy you are going to know the truth tonight. And the truth is going to make you free. Anything that comes to your mind right now, just go ahead and renounce that as you pray in the Spirit. Yes, we just break performance orientation all over this room tonight. We just break that idolatry in the name of Jesus. That I have to earn my way into heaven. We don't have to earn a thing. Jesus says it is finished. The blood of, the, the blood of myself washes you clean. Nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood. Just come Holy Spirit. Yes. Jesus, I just pray that you would bring a revelation of the glo- of your glory and of your righteousness, God. And as as we see your face, God, as we see your glory, as we see your goodness, Lord, there's no need to hang on to the darkness that we once knew. There's no need to stay stay in the cage that we came from, God. Or try to run back there, Lord. But just I just invite you, Holy Spirit. We make a we make room for your glory to come, and and inhabit us, and 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 just sit in this place, Lord, um, for us to behold, for us to be changed by God. We just invite you to come. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Move us, make us burn for righteousness and holiness in our lives. There's no need to to go along with the what with with what the world is saying, God, because you're a righteous and holy God. Thank you, Jesus. I feel the Lord just wants to cleanse us from sexual immorality from our past. He wants to restore virginities tonight. This is a big one. So just, Jesus, we just break. There's a lot of shame. Just, Just give a little bit of teaching on this. With sexual immorality, there comes shame. There comes guilt. 
there comes um, just an inability to be vulnerable to it because of just the ways of what that entire just um, invitation to sin brings in our lives. When we commit ourselves to just premarital sex, when we commit ourselves to pornography, there is just an enormous amount of shame and guilt and condemnation around this area. And the Lord just wants to free us from this because when we don't get freed from this, the enemy just keeps that legal right into our body and he just keeps telling us you're not good enough you can't get victory in this area and then through those accusations and that deception we just continue to give in to those sins let's just put your hands on your eyes hallelujah yeah. this is one of the one main ways our thoughts are influenced is pray this jesus jesus i plead your blood over my eyes I plead your blood over my eyes i repent i repent and renounce and renounce all the sin and the sin every unclean thing i've looked at Turn my eyes away from looking at worthless things. And open my eyes to who you are. I command every spirit that is not in agreement with Jesus to go now. Father, I ask you to fill me with your fire. Wash me with your blood. And let me be captivated as I set my mind on you. I receive this now. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Yeah, I'm just going to pray a prayer of purity over us. God, we just ask that you purify our hearts. Yes. Send your purity, God. Refine. Bring refinement in Jesus' name. Purify our hearts, God. There's only one form of righteousness in the kingdom, and it's from God. That's the way you discern the true gospel. The true gospel preaches righteousness that comes from God to man. <laughs> That's the only true purity is by the blood of Jesus. So I just, if, if you've dealt with that, of feeling like, I don't, I, don't, I don't know if I can earn it, I don't know if I can be, the blood of Jesus speaks that over you tonight. Faith in the blood of Jesus. Paul says, I don't want to know a righteousness that comes from the law. <laughs> I want to know the righteousness that comes by faith in Jesus Christ. Tonight you are free. Tonight you are clean. Tonight you are holy in f- before him. He's made all things new in your life. And you can go from this place and live in that identity. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah. yeah. Seated with Christ in heavenly places. We're just going to speak truth. And you are seated with Christ in heavenly places. You are citizens of heaven. You are priests and kings with our God forever, and I do not have to listen to the devil and his stupid lies ever again. That's right. You don't have to do it. All right, we're going to go into ministry time. I want to encourage you right now to grab a person next to you. Just bless and pray for what the Holy Spirit's doing in their life. Ask them if there's anything specific in this area. More joy, Jesus. Yeah, Pour it out, God. In your presence, there is the fullness of joy. Hallelujah. And if you're interested and you want specific prayer, we're going to have prayer ministers up front. And uh, we want to continue to pray into that, the baptism of the Spirit. Yeah, Jesus, more. More, Lord. Hallelujah. So let's just break right now. Grab a couple people around you. Let's break up into groups in two two and three. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.